Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all out this Sunday morning, and you're all very welcome, indeed, in person here at the church building, but also if you're watching online, be it on YouTube or some other element of technology, you're all very welcome. Or indeed, listening later on on CD, you're all very welcome to our morning worship service here in First Class Island. And on your behalf this morning, a bit of a very warm welcome back to the Reverend George Mandela. George, good to have you back with us here again, and we thank you for being part of the 
number of ministers and speakers we have as part of the legacy are very, very welcome, and we've been blessed with some lovely speakers, and you're not the exception. So it's good to have you back, George, and thank you for, for being with us. Next Sunday morning at 11 a.m., the prayer meeting will be at the Minor Hall at 11 o'clock, and the speaker next Sunday morning will be Mr. John Wilkinson from Tavor. And just a couple of announcements to make. Following the congregational meeting last Monday evening uh, in the church hall about the future of the months, just to report back to say that after careful consideration and discussion, it is decided to sell the current months and pursue alternative options, and we'll keep you the congregation updated as those plans progress. And finally, just to say that as the summer months approaches and with the Many pressures upon all of our families in line with uh, the current economic crisis. Uh, there's been a bit of a call for additional food to be added to the local food bank. Uh, and this is organised by Christians Against Poverty. And it would be good if we as a congregation could contribute to that. Uh, Robin has just put a, a, a screenshot up there of some of the items that they look for. Uh, we'll also share this on our Facebook and the usual uh, formats online. And perhaps over the course of the next few Sundays, if we could perhaps uh, donate something to that food bank. Because with children off school now for two months and families of low income, it'd be good if we could help and support some small way uh, families who are maybe finding that little bit difficult at the moment and maybe a little bit stretched. So it would be our contribution to help families in this local community and as ever we, we look for your support and we know and we trust that you will do that as you always have in the past. These are all the announcements and I hand over to George to lead and conduct the remaining part of the service. Thank you George. Thank you very much indeed David for your warm welcome. Good morning everyone. Good to see you and uh, I hear you had a good children's day last Sunday. Uh, congratulations on that and that's Great. Let me lead you in worship. Psalm, the Psalm of David says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. We come to sing and praise God as we use words we have come into his house and gathered in his name.
you that you are the all-glorious God. And we want to come and give you thanks. In your Son, Jesus Christ, you have given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. You chose us before the world was made to be your holy people without fault in your sight. And you adopted us as your children in Christ. You set us free by his blood. You have forgiven our sins. You've made known to us that your secret purpose to bring heaven and earth into unity in Christ Jesus. You've given us your Holy Spirit, the seal and the pledge of our inheritance. And all praise and glory be yours, O God, for the richness of your grace, for the splendor of your gifts, for the wonder of your love. Jesus gave us these words, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Father God, we know that those are the two commandments that Jesus hung all the law and the prophets on. And as you instructed us in these ways, in these great commandments, and because we have not lived in full obedience, Father God, we come to confess our sins to you, trusting Christ as our Saviour and Lord. We thank you for your wise and comforting words from Isaiah, who says, Come now, let us argue it out, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be as like crimson, they shall become like wool. So, Father God, it would be very foolish of us not to confess our sin, because the sin makes it a very heavy burden. But you have brought those burdens to be light, because Jesus has taken upon himself the penalty that we so deserve. May we come to you afresh this morning, having our sins forgiven and having the knowledge that, and the assurance that you will remove our sin as far as the east is from the west. So in that attitude of grace this morning, we come not to be tempted or urged by the devil to yield to the temptation or to fail, but to walk in your ways. We thank you that we have a wonderful Savior, that our God is great, that the Holy Spirit is ever present with us, and to that end, we give you our thanks. We pray in the lovely name of Jesus, your Son and our Savior. Amen. I'm going to read from scriptures the uh, Psalm 25. Psalm 25. This is God's word. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O God, O my God. 
Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame, but let but they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are my God, my Saviour, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are nothing unfaithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then is the man that fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. He will spend his days in prosperity, and his descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have multiplied. Free me from my anguish. Look upon my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how my enemies have increased and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope is in you. Redeem Israel, O God, from all their troubles. And then we know that God will add his blessing to the reading of Scripture, for we know that it is true. Boys and girls, we're going to continue on to look at uh, the books of the Bible. And I've got, uh, well, we'll see how time goes, but here, uh, we'll see how, uh, how it will go for you. Um, I think the first one, uh, the first one should be easy enough for you. Uh, again, just what do you see and what, uh, yes, you see num numbers, that's grand. What else do you see? Yes. Footsteps, so that's just to show you, well, they're not walking in a straight, in, in a straight line, are they? They're what we would call, they've been wandering all over the place, you know, so they're going round and round and all over the place, yeah. What else do you see? Yeah. And where would you find cactus? Ah, good stuff. Great. So, here are numbers, and they're wandering in the desert. And the book of the Bible is, it's so easy. Yes? Jesus? Well, we've been talking about Jesus, yes? Yes. The book is Numbers, yes. Uh, it's the Old Testament book of Numbers. And Numbers, 
Uh, when we, we read numbers, the book begins and ends with counting the number of people in Israel. And in between those two counts gives us the, the story of the book. And the wanderings of the people uh, as they go around the wilderness. Do you remember that there were spies sent out to look into a land? Do you remember how many spies there were that were sent out? Adults? Adults, do you remember how many spies? Five. No. There were ten who brought back good reports, but there were only two who had a, or brought back a bad report, and two had a good report. So there were twelve spies that were sent out, but only two came back with a good report, and the people listened to the ten, uh, and so they rebelled against God and at that particular time, and so they just decided to wander off go that way and so God uh, kept them wandering around the desert for 40 years instead of gaining the promised land instead of listening to the two spies who brought back the good report and they listened to the, the, the bad report and so God uh, kept them wandering in the desert and this book of Numbers also tells us about the faithfulness of God and the fickleness of the, the people. And so even though God had to judge their disobedience, he faithfully led them through the agonizing detour they had created for themselves. Good stuff. So that's the book of Numbers. Next one. What do you see? Yes. A judge. You I'm see a judge. Okay. That's great. On a motorbike. Yep, and what else do you see? Yep. Uh, judge with a hammer, like, like. That's his gavel, isn't it? Yeah, and that's what he says. Send them down. Boom. Okay. Yeah. And he has a he has a wig, so we know he's a judge. Yes. Now, what else is up? What else do you see? So we've got a judge, and we've got a motorbike. Yes. The number seven. And the name of the book it is right. It is Judging. Judging is well done. Okay. So following the conquest of Canaan, Israel plunges into three hundred and fifty years of a period of national deterioration. And the there's a monotonous sort of deadly cycle and that's where the cycle comes in just to help you to remember there's a deadly cycle here happening to the people of Israel the people of Israel fall into sin that's their first part and then God disciplines them by sending them in a foreign oppressor uh, some other land comes in and beats them silly, has a war with them, and oppresses them for a time. And then the people of Israel realize that they've, they've sinned greatly, they've gone against God, and so they cry out to God, God help us, we know that we have sinned, and God sends in a judge, a 
judge like Deborah or Gideon or Samson and the judge pronounces and they come back to God and everything is well. And then they go like that for a while and then they come back to sinning again. So seven times this this would have happened in the book of Judges. They decided to, to sin and then the country came in and then the judge came in. The people cried out and the judge came in and then they knew what ways to walk. And they did that for seven times. So that's what the, the story of Judges is about. And it's, it's so like us, isn't it, where we sin and we know, we know the attack of Satan upon us and we cry out to God and say, yes, sorry God, and God comes in and helps us maybe by reading his word or by somebody speaking to us and we walk in his way and then we do that for a while and then we, we go back to sinning again. So this is this book of Judges is just reflects our own lives too. So we've had the book of Numbers and the book of Judges and finally then we'll do this one. Okay. Now this might be a little bit more difficult. Okay, that's a better uh, colour. Okay, so so what do you see? Yeah, a duck. Okay, yeah. And can you tell me um, anything about the duck? Mm-hmm. Sorry. Oh, well done. He's in jail because he's got a ball and chain on his leg. Did you see that? And he's dressed up as a prisoner with that straight jumper and that wee hat that he has on. Okay, what else do you see? Yes? Uh, a dartboard or... See those things? Uh, we would have... The older folks would remember coits and we would have been playing coits on this sort of board. You know, it's a, a rubber ring and you would have been throwing that. So it's a, it's a target board. Yes, you're right. And what else is, is happening in this picture? It's all very busy. What else? Do you see? Yep. He's reading the book. Can you remember or can you tell me what the title of the book is? Can you see what it is? A manual, and do you know what a manual is? A manual is a, is a book of instructions of how to do. So you, you'd read a manual if you, like us men are not good at reading manuals, how to put things together. We know it all. We don't need to, to follow the instructions, do we? So we usually cast the manuals to the side. So a, a book, a manual is, is about telling you how to, to do a thing. You do A, B, C. D, E, and you'll end up with a great machine at G. Simple as that. You just follow the book. You do what it says in the book, and everything will be well. Okay? But there's still something else that you haven't told me. Yes? Well, you do, yes. You see, uh, there one. Oh, there's only two. Yes, you're right. 
just two, two ties. Well done. Okay, so the name of the book is what? Yes. No. No. I'll give it to you. It is Titus. 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 Okay, so the book of Titus is about uh, following the manual. And uh, the manual is about uh, your conduct. Okay, so it's not a convict, he's a conduct. Uh, so the manual is about how to behave. So Titus is about how to behave. And Paul wrote to Titus because uh, they were friends and Titus was a leader in the church and he was, Paul was writing to him to help him to encourage others in the church and how to have a right conduct uh, or behave correctly. So that's simply what the, the book of Titus is about. It's about the conduct of people who are in the fellowship of the church, how we are to behave. And so Paul writes to Titus, this is what you do, A, B, C, D. This is the way you must behave. If you're in the fellowship, if the people are, are worshipping God, if they have the Spirit of Christ in them, this is how you behave. So that's a good book to read because it has instructions for us. So we have had the book of Numbers, wandering around the desert, the people chose the wrong way. They went against God and they were in the, the, the desert for 40 years. And God was still faithful and brought them to the land of milk and honey. But because they rebelled against God, they wandered off on their own. The book of Judges is about uh, the children of, of Israel. There are five steps in how to go against God. Well, well there's one step. You, you sin and you uh, come and you... Uh, God brings in the discipline of a foreign country. But for us, it'll be, we'll know that we have been attacked. Uh, and we'll have a, a conscience about that. And so we, we, we pray to God that he'll come and, and help us and uh, break this chain or whatever it is that we come back to him and we'll come back to him and uh, we'll walk in his ways but we come back to sinning again and that's a cycle of seven times in Judges that that happens and then Titus is how to conduct yourselves in fellowship uh, and Paul is writing to Titus there good stuff we're going to sing uh, Praise to God again. Uh, just let me find it here. Uh, God is so good.
come again to God in prayer. Let's pray for others. <coughs> Thank you, Heavenly Father. You are our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness, you have blessed us with good gifts. And then we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. Father God, we come to think of those families who have been ill these past weeks. We thank you for maybe the recovery of some, but others are still very much under the weather. For those who are really sick with cancer or other things, we, we ask our Father God that in the will of God your healing hand would come upon them. Your comfort would be very much there so that they would know your very presence. We just thank you for those who are back with us, uh, having been in hospital. We pray, our Father God, your blessing be upon them, that they might recover well, and that they would uh, just understand that they've been sick and uh, pace themselves in the days to come. We thank you that Jesus Christ is lover of all. And we pray that as he brings healing and brings peace, we want to think about those who are troubled in mind or distressed by the past or maybe dreading the future who've been trapped or cast down by fear. Lord, be with them in those difficult places that they find themselves. Come alongside them and be their peace. We pray for those who, who for whom light has turned to darkness by the death of a loved one. We think of those who have been bereaved recently and we ask that Father God, you would come alongside them and we know that you are the God of all comfort and in their sadness be their stay, be their help. We again pray for the people in Ukraine in the midst of all their the warring situation where families are um, split apart because uh, the men have got to stay to fight and the families go off into another strange land into uh, some have come this way Heavenly Father and we thank you for them and we thank you that we can um, give them homes and, and help them during this terrible time and we pray that the day will come when they'll be able to go home and that there will be peace. We do pray, Father God, that you'll bring this to an end, this senseless war. And we pray for the people of Russia being hoodwinked by the, the leadership that they come under. 
And we pray, Father, that you bless the people of, of Russia as they come to their senses and see that their leaders are um, fake indeed and just looking out for themselves. Father God, we think today of um, our own situation here and the economic situation that is uh, is becoming uh, more difficult for many families and we do thank you for the the organizations like CAP, uh, Christians Against Poverty, and we thank you that they are in many towns and villages, and we pray that uh, that we will play our part, because we know that, Father God, in comparison to the, to the people in, in Ukraine, or a lot of the countries in Africa, or India, or all, all those eastern countries, we are indeed very rich. We have got our national health service. We've got so much uh, going for us. And yet, there are people who honestly are in difficulty. And so we pray that as a church fellowship, we will be able to play our part in, in easing the the problems of uh, families, people who are worried where the next meal is coming from, we pray that we'll be able to help out uh, with that as we give our contribution to the food bank so that it might be distributed. Be with us, Heavenly Father. And we ask that you would indeed uh, come alongside those families and that you would bring them ease. We pray for the General Assembly that will take place this incoming week from Wednesday through to Saturday. We ask our Father God that the Holy Spirit will presence himself to guide and sustain us and to help us make good and proper decisions that will lead the church in the coming days. Give to us a boldness, Heavenly Father, a boldness that will fear you, but not fear men. Give to our new moderator, Reverend Dr. John Kirkpatrick, wisdom to rule wisely. We pray for uh, Dr. Bruce as he finishes off his two-year moderatorship, that you'll bless him with good rest, and especially as he goes into retirement, uh, we pray, our Father God, that you'll continue to use him in uh, a, a good way in his retirement, and bless him and his wife uh, in, uh, as they just relax um, after a very busy two years. So we ask our Father God that you'll go with us as we meet in assembly and grant your blessing to us as your church. And so we bring all our prayers before your throne in and through the, the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to stand and sing Immortal, Invisible, God only wise. Thank you. 
come to look at the Psalm 25. Let me lead you in prayer. Living God, help us to hear your holy word with open hearts so that we may truly understand. And as we understand that we would believe and in believing that we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honour and glory in all that we do. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the English Standard Version, which is the version I would um, use um, for personal reading, the title of the psalm is Teach Me Your Paths. And this is uh, something that we, we need to, to know each day God gives to us. The side, this side of heaven, do you know, we all struggle with life issues. And as each year goes by, those issues seem to be beginning more and more difficult for people just like us to contemplate and to come to a decision on. I do fear for my ten grandchildren that really their world will be uh, blown apart uh, from what our world used to be. The eldest now approaching secondary school education. And I know I can't wrap them up in cotton wool, but we do need to take time with them to talk through those Christian principles and to teach them that they should see uh, Jesus Christ and know him as the Saviour. And they should see in us, as we're practicing those ways, uh, a lead and a guide and a help to them. They need to see Jesus in our lives, that he is making a difference to us. And our homes need to be places where we are teaching our children the word of God. Don't leave it up just to the pulpit or to Sunday school. It should be in the home, making a difference to your home, making a difference to your lives, making a difference to your children's lives. And as you pray for them, then uh, the Lord will, will come and in his good time bring them to faith. There are difficult days ahead and we need to do all that we can to train them in the right ways. And you know, when we come and look at the Old Testament characters and see their struggles with the living God, we can identify with them very ably. And over in Psalm, Psalm 25 that we're looking at this morning, David comes and there, there's, a, there's a calmness of spirit in David's personality here as he contemplates life. There is a, a thoughtful prayerfulness by David who knows God and he trusts God. After all, that he's, he's been round a, a few corners in his day. He has been mixed up with a, with a few dodgy experiences of life. 
And throughout these words in Psalm 25, there is a, a knowing that God indeed can be trusted. And that is the door that David enters and allows us to see what's going on. Is this not the place where we find ourselves too often? In the place of shame. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I put my trust. Let me not be put to shame. And in the ESV, that word shame or shame comes three times. It's twice in verse 2 and it's once in verse 3. And the word shame used in the Bible or shame takes on a slightly different meaning than what we might use it. When we talk of shame or being shamed, what we mean is we're totally embarrassed or we're we're feeling absolutely foolish in this, in this scene. But here is what Webster in his biblical dictionary says. Shame is a painful emotion excited by a consciousness of guilt, disgrace or dishonour. And this is exactly what the Bible means when using that word. We should not be ashamed of God or of spiritual things. Remember the time when Jesus speaking in Luke 9, 26, when he says, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the Holy Angels. I tell you the truth, some of you standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. And of course, Paul states his position very clearly in his letter to uh, Rome, uh, Romans chapter 1 verse 16 I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for, for salvation of everyone who believes first the Jew and then the Gentile for in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed a righteousness that is by faith from first to last just as it is written the righteous shall live by faith are you caught off guard and you feel embarrassed about the gospel or when the things of God are mentioned in your company or your friends you don't really want to go down that route you just keep quiet and you stay silent and your silence stay, uh, gives out the wrong message as the people of the gospel, we are, should be, the people of hope. For all that Christ has accomplished for us in this life on earth, we benefit from his life and death and resurrection. We have been given hope of life everlasting. Isaiah 49 says this, Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. And Paul makes his comments like this in, in Romans uh, twice in 9.33 and in 10.11. He says, And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame, or anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. I hope you get the flavour of what uh, of, of what these verses are, are bringing together. 
these scripture verses are teaching and reminding us of. This is what David is saying here in Psalm 25 about not being ashamed of the gospel. But you might wonder why uh, it was even like this. And David gives us two reasons why you might feel ashamed. And he says, first of all, he says that there are enemies around him. Verse 2 and again in verse 19. And he says, consider how many are my foes. And he's aware of the threats that they pose. And this is what he says in verse 15. For he that is God will be the only one who can pluck his feet out of the net. So David says, I might feel ashamed because the, the, the foes are ever near me. The foes are ever encircling me. And they threaten me. And with that, I might feel ashamed. And the second thing that we learn from David is this, that he's conscious of his own sin. Verse 7, remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. And in verse 11 he says, pardon my guilt, for it is great. So we can identify with his reaction here. So often our youthful actions come back to haunt us. In the media today, there's nothing of the past that can be kept hidden. All the dirt there is can be traced so easily. That comment of 20 years, that picture taken so long ago, all in the past, but can be so brought into the, the present. And those things are things that might, we might be ashamed of. And the world is our enemy. It is opposed to every good and godly thing. The devil is our enemy. What does it say in 1 Peter 5, 8? Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Sometimes have we not given in too quickly to the devil. We have wanted to please our own agenda rather than stand for Jesus. Or what if God remembered our past sins? Should he in the end be unwilling to help us or to save us? Has the devil ever brought that thought into your head God can't help you God's going to be away from you he's not going to uh, forgive you your sins and so our conscience and we become fearful because God is not able to forgive us our sins those things that the devil so easily casts up to us brings our enemies around us and our our sinful ways and encourages us to, to sin so easily. Those are the things that David has to face and those are the things that we have to face day by day. But listen 
David knows that God is never going to do any of that to his children. That is not what he has promised. And he goes on his promises. It's the devil who lies to us to confuse us and to bring about that doubt. So we come back to the title of this particular psalm in the ESV, Teach Me Your Paths. And for any of us here this morning, we must be in and we must be attending God's school. We must never leave that school in all our years that we walk the earth here. Psalm 25, I said at the very beginning of our study, there's a calmness of spirit in David as he contemplates life. There's a thoughtful prayerfulness by David who knows God and he trusts God. And David is trusting that he will not be put to shame. Instead, he prays that his enemies will be put to shame. And if we're trying to find out what, what secret David has that makes him a king and a follower of our great God, then listen to this. The secret is he doesn't leave God's school. He allows God to teach him day by day. And maybe that's where you're going wrong. Maybe because you're too proud to allow God to teach you. He walks, David walks in God's ways. So that, as verse 21 tells us, integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. God will not let us down. God is not out to abandon us. God is not out to disappoint us. But the deal is this, that we have got to do some work, not for our salvation, because that is secure. Jesus has gone and already fought that for us on the cross of Calvary and was died and, and went and was buried and was raised again on the third day. Our, our faith is secure in that. That Jesus has paid the price for our salvation. That cannot be robbed from us. That is secure in Christ's death. But listen to these words in 2 Peter 1. His divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises. That's what David is standing on. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of this world caused by evil desires. Staying in God's school. Then we have these words. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and self-control Perseverance and to perseverance, godliness and godliness, brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness, love. Those things have got to be possessed in increasing me measure. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind, 
and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. We need to add to these things that God sets out for us day and daily. In becoming a Christian, we are not given this big dot of everything in the one go. We've got to learn about these things day in and day out, and we've got to add to them each and every day that God gives to us as we walk this world. To live out a life filled with Christ takes work. It will not come easy by any means. You have to work at it constantly in the midst of your enemies. When illness comes, when you get out of the bed of the wrong side in the morning time, those times that are frustrating, you've got to work at your own salvation. You've got to allow the Spirit of God to, to work in you and to produce that self-control, that knowledge, that goodness, that perseverance, that brotherly kindness. These things are imperative for anyone who wants to live and walk in the ways of Jesus. A few weeks ago, in my own home group, <coughs> the home group that I attend uh, in Stone Street, uh, this comment was made. Uh, it was a minister. Uh, this guy is talking about a minister of our own denomination. I think he's probably retired now. But he said, he used to say these words every morning. He says, I throw back the curtains in the morning and say, well, God, is it today that you're coming? For if it's today, then I want to make a difference in my, in my life and in the lives of others. I want to live it to your glory as if it's my last and if you have that attitude, then that sharpens up your whole focus for the day ahead. As if it's the last day that you will walk in this, in this world. It means then that you'll not enter into any argument. It means that you'll want to be kind to folks. It means that you'll want to speak to folks about salvation lest you go and, and you don't see them in heaven. It sharpens the whole focus if we're living in that aspect of, well, God, is this the last day for me here on earth? Then I want to live it for your glory. So we're given words of wisdom in verses 4 and 5. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. And teach me, for you are my God, my Savior. And my hope is in you all day long. Listen to what David has already learned from God in the Psalm 25. He learns that God is faithful in verse 3. He learns that God's character is truth in verses 4 and 5. He learns that God is Saviour in verse 5. He learns that he is merciful and loving way from of old in verse 6. He learns that God is good and upright in verse 8. 
He learns that God is loving and faithful in all his ways in verse 10. He learns that God is faithful in verse 11. He learns that God is open to his people and freely confides in them in verse 14. He learns that God is gracious in verse 16. He learns that God is powerful to rescue people and therefore he is the one in whom they can take refuge in verses 15 and 20. My, isn't there a lot to learn about God in this one psalm? And we go back to verse 8 to hear these words because God reveals himself to us in the most loving way. He says, goodness and upright, good and upright is the Lord. And that's a great combination where there is mercy and justice on behalf of our God. And without mercy and justice, folks, we are totally lost. We begin to learn how God can love sinners such as we are and turn our lives into something of beauty. We know how God is good and merciful at the same time. But how can God be just in all of us? Justice means that we sinners should be condemned because of our sin. God cannot accept any little sin in heaven. And in the great plan of salvation, this is where Jesus fits in, isn't it? He was totally without sin in his whole life. And of course, when the time was right, Jesus would go to the cross. He was wrongly accused. But this was the will of God, his Father. This clean lamb must be sacrificed for the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus was that precious lamb. His death satisfied the Father's anger against sin and the justice of God wanted to give could be given because Jesus took our sin. He bore the wrath of God in his own body and we the sinners could go free. That's wonderful news for everyone this morning. Both for the Christian who comes rejoicing in that and for you who maybe haven't taken that step of faith just yet. You know your own conscience. You know that the difference between right and wrong and you know that there is no wrong in heaven. And the only way that you can get into heaven is depend on Jesus the Saviour. He went to the cross for you. He died and took the wrath of God because of your sin that you might go free. This is where mercy and justice meet together for us in Jesus. And if you're struggling today with the memory of your sin, then Psalm 25 verse 7, Remember not the sins of my youth, or my transgressions according to your steadfast love. Remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. May that be the prayer of your heart. Finally then, how do we get to this place of being active in our life? We thank God that he allows David to fill in that answer too for us. Verse 9, the stance that we need to take is humility. 
Verse 8 says, A God is pleased to instruct sinners in their ways. God is good and upright, and as sinners we know that as we know our own sinfulness, then God is very happy to lead and guide us along the way. But God makes it very clear that He will lead the humble in what is right and teach them in His humble way. If you've got pride and say, I don't need Jesus to go to the cross for me. I haven't done anyone any harm. I have lived a good, decent life. That is pride. And that's not what David is saying here in verse 9. It's the humble that God will lead. When you break down and say, Yes, Father, I have sinned. I do fall short of your glory. And I need Jesus to uh, cover my sin with his blood. And that I might be free of it. If you have pride in your heart, if you say, I don't need Jesus. I've lived a good life. Then you need to have that corrected folks and we pray that the spirit of God even this morning would correct your thinking you need to be humble, you need to be obedient in verse 10 the very reason why we fail is because we disobey but God makes his promise for us here all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimony and if we truly love God, it's, that's not hard work to obey, to follow fully. And we need to have reverence in our hearts. Uh, verse 12 and 14. How do you make your approach to God every time you come into his presence? As a lastminute.com, do you come with rush? Do you come angry? Do you come disappointed? Do you come confused? You need to have reverence. You need to recognize who God is. Holy is your name. Hallowed be your name. Jesus taught the disciples, come with reverence. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. If you want to know God, come in reverence. And you need to expect great things to come from God. Verse 15. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Expect great things from God in your life, that God will move in your life, that God will move in the congregation here, that God will bring to you his servant in due time as you begin now the search for a new minister. Expect great things from God. But expect God to move in your life and to convert souls through your witness. So what does God say to us here in Psalm 25? He says, look to me often. Do not take your eyes off me. Stay in my school and come with humility and obedience and reverence. 
And then Isaiah finishes up that psalm. psalm. He says, Redeem Israel, or redeem me, O God, out of all my troubles. And we know that he will answer us. We're able to trust him for everything in the here and now. To enjoy him now and in the days of that he has for us and then forever in the great eternity. Let's pray and pray together. Father God, we ask that your spirit indeed would, would stay with us in our hearts as we ponder these words from Psalm 25. May we look to you and Father we pray that you would correct us in our sinful ways. Take that pride from us and may we have humility and come to you and look for grace. May we be obedient in all that we would do. And may we have reverence as we make our approach to you each and every moment that we have. Father God, we expect great things. We pray that you'll so move in the lives of the session and the congregation here as they begin the search for a new minister. And we pray that you would bring the right one at the right time. So, Father, bless them as they begin that search. But be with them now in reality, day and daily, that they might be known as the people of God who worship here in the meeting house of first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bring our service to a conclusion. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine.
sound this morning. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.